Hi, and welcome to the Small Business Sisters podcast. If you're new here, we're Jenny and Christina, two actual real-life sisters who both happen to start their own small businesses. If you're here, you're probably a woman small business owner who is running a lot of the show by herself. Over the last eight years, we've each been in business. We've had to discover a lot of business owning on the fly. We know that running a business, a household, and maintaining mental health can be challenging because we've shed a lot of tears over it. Thankfully, we've always had each other to ask all the questions, bounce off all the ideas, and just have someone on the other end who gets it. And that's why we're here. That's why we started this podcast, to help other small business owners who are doing it all feel less alone. We talk about business strategy, our mental health journey, and all that falls in between. We're glad you're here to join our sisterhood. Okay, so recording this episode was so fun for Jenny and I. We met Sam two, maybe three years ago, two years ago when we first started the podcast. We reached out to our Instagram following and said, hey, is there anyone who is just starting their business? Is there anybody in that dream stage who's about to kind of launch themselves who we can bring on the podcast and talk through uh, what that looks like, what's scary about it, um, and really take those first steps with them and dream with them and all of those things. And Sam reached out to us. Both of us did not know her uh, and said, I'll do it. (laughs) So we brought her on the podcast and it was so fun. If you want to listen to that original episode, it's episode 36. So one of our very first early on episodes. And I think it would be so fun to go back and listen to that because today, about two years later, we brought Sam on to see how it's been going and how those dreams have shifted and how we talk a lot about um, how our businesses start at one point and pivot and merge and do all these things. And so it was really fun to talk to her and see what has what she had forecasted for her business and now what the reality of that is. And it was like talking to an old friend. So it was really great chatting with her and getting that. Um, I always love when you watch reality TV, like the HGTV shows, and then you up, get an update on how they're doing a month later or any all of that. And that's what this felt like. And it was so fun. And now, of course, we have a friendship with Sam. And it was really easy talking to her um, on this episode. So we hope you enjoy. We hope it helps you for those of you who have navigated a business probably alongside Sam the last two years and to see the way business pivots and changes and all of those things. So enjoy this episode and check out Sam on Instagram at the pop loft. Hey everyone, we are back and we have Sam majors with us today, which Sam came on our podcast two years ago, Sam. I think it was August maybe of last year. Okay, so just a year ago then. Yeah, okay. it was in the beginning of our podcast, so. Okay, I don't know why like I thought it ha- was two yeah. years, but. I don't know. But Sam was <laughs> one of our original guests, and I we had reached out to Instagram being like, hey, we want guests on. We would love to have people starting out their business. And Sam replied, like, you didn't know Jenny or I in real life yet. And um, you said, like, I'll come on. Like, I'm starting a business. I'll come on. So we had Sam on then. So make sure to go back and listen to her OG podcast episode with us before or after you listen to this one. I'm sure it doesn't matter order. Um, and at that time, Sam, you were you had a balloon business, but it was very much a side business at that time because you still had your full-time job in accounting or a law firm. Uh, I, worked at a, I worked at a law office, so I was okay, like a law yeah. Okay. Um, and then shortly after that podcast, you reached out saying like, I think I'm going to start a brick and mortar. So we thought it would be great to bring Sam on because so much has changed in your life, in your business in a year. And how amazing to bring you back on and kind of see the growth and the what you've learned and things that you've developed. So before we get started, give like a little snippet because obviously people can go watch the first or listen to the ep- first episode, but give a little snippet of like how your business started and why, and then we'll kind of move into where you are now. Sure. Um, so 
I think it was, now I have to think back. It was two <laughs> Augusts ago. Um, I started making just like balloon decor for my daughter's birthday. It was like my daughter and my niece. We had a little like combo birthday. I made some um, what I call mosaic numbers, um, like a three and a six, because they were they were turning mm-hmm. three and six. And then I had a friend ask me to make one for her son. And then when I did that, she posted it on Facebook and kind of put out like, hey, if you want one of these, Sam can make one for you. Um, and I started getting orders kind of rolling in after that, which was incredible and not really expected. And then, you know, that just doing mosaics transposed itself kind of into doing balloon garlands and just like lots of balloon stuff. It overtook my basement. We couldn't walk around at all. Um, So we started um, thinking about, I guess it would have been beginning of 2022, um, how we could make the balloons be more of my full-time job. Because like Christina said, I I was working for a law office and then doing the balloons part-time. So we thought, um, you know, maybe including fresh flowers would be a good option. So... At the end of June 2022, I left my full-time job. We had this plan in in motion kind of um, before that, but uh, left my full-time job at the end of June of 2022. And then at the end of July, I opened my brick and mortar, which was, is still, I should say, fresh flower arrangements. I have some, you know, retail items in here. I carry Jenny's cleaners and (laughs) a lot of her, a lot of her products. I carry a lot of locally made products to me as well. Um, Jenny's about two hours away from me. I'm about two hours southeast-ish of her in Uh Illinois. So I, um, yeah, I carry her products. I carry lots of other local products. I have a a one consigner in my shop. but I have been in business now, I, I suppose, what, just a little over a year then mm-hmm. as like my brick and mortar that does the fr- the fresh flowers too, which mm-hmm. I am learning. I, I love, love, love doing, doing fresh flowers. But you still do yeah. the balloons and too. I, I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I will say it's interesting. Um, as the flowers are picking up, like I would say at one point, the flowers and the balloons were equivalent to each other. Like I did as much revenue in flowers as I did in balloons, but as the flowers kind of pick up, I'm noticing my balloons kind of decreasing. That could be because I'm maybe not pushing and showing the balloons as much. I'm noticing Mm -hmm. that on my Instagram, it's becoming very, you know, very much flower centric rather than balloons, just because I post like my sales and stuff on there and things like that. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. my balloon numbers are, are going down, but in turn, the flowers are making up for that, which I find interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to visit your shop because we are two hours away, which is, and then, cause your, your town is super cute. It's like what you read in the books where it's like a charming small town and <laughs> Sam's shop is just like that. And like the locals come in and you, I think when I was there, like the, you source your flowers from like a local farm, right? So yeah, I do. I get my flowers from, we have two farms locally to me. One of them is in Buckley, Illinois. Um, she is Iron Meadows Flower Farm in Buckley. And then I have Nettie's Petals, which is one that's right outside of Paxton. She's a little bit closer, a little bit easier mm-hmm. for me to like bop out if I need something last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but along with those, I also obviously have to buy from wholesalers because like they don't grow roses. They don't grow, you know, like the standard mm-hmm. of flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a good mix, but I really try to buy, you know, locally when they're in season. They're just getting out of season right now, which makes me sad. I was just going to say, how do they grow flowers in Illinois in the winter? Some people, so like the the one in Buckley, Jessica, her farm, she actually, for the first time, forced tulips in her basement over the winter. So she had like grown tulips for like Valentine's day and a little bit for mother's day, even that she had to force those in her basement herself. But most of the local flower farms don't really do much over the winter. Mm -hmm. Which Mm -hmm. I, in Texas, I'm sure they can grow over the winter, but I would think are like probably June to September is too hot. Maybe. So I wonder if our season's different. Yeah, your climate is is much different. So I, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not as familiar with that. But 
I mean, I love, I love using our local people when they are in mm-hmm. season. It makes me sad when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. That is, that's cool though. And that's cool that you kind of, you kind of watched, um, the market and what would pair well with balloons and then watched that kind of develop even more so than what you started with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and when COVID was happening, we had two flower shops in Paxton. Um, and in the, in the middle of COVID, one of them closed, not due to COVID more so because she was kind of retiring anyway and was like, mm, this is probably a good time. So mm-hmm. for a while, we only had one flower shop, but we were able to support two for as long as I can remember. So I was hoping that there was still room in the market for that. And I think that, you know, I've, I can track my increase in sales from when I started to now. And I mean, that has even grown. So I would say that it's, you know, Paxton is doing pretty well at at still supporting two flower shops for sure. Yeah, that's what I liked when I was there because I think she was you had either just gotten them or she was dropping them off for something. And I was like, this is so cool because what just what another level of small business that's super cool when not only are people making products, but they're growing the products mm-hmm. and you're making creations out of them. Yeah, I always think that's really cool. Mm hmm. There was a local girl that sold fabric and I would buy fabric from her and then make it. And she always loved seeing what would come out of the fabric that she sold. So I think that's really cool. No, it's fun too, because you, you know, it's not only is it like small business supporting small business, but like it's women supporting women, Mm -hmm. which is even, you know, in both cases of my local flower farms is, I mean, even more incredible. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, I love that community, you know, that it makes. Like I talk to those, both of those ladies and ask them questions all the time. And they do the same to me if they ever, you know, need anything from me. Cause obviously I'm going to have stuff that maybe they don't have. And if they're doing a special event or something like that, you know, can reach out and say, Hey, I need this. Can you order it for me? It's easier for you to do it than for me. And I'm like, sure. I don't, I mean, I don't care. You know, it's just a good, you know, a nice support group and a good community for sure. So obviously with owning a brick and mortar, a ton of things now come into play, right? Like there's so many decisions you have to make and those change and pivot as you go and as you learn. So let's talk hours first. Like how did you land on the hours that you have and what hours did you land on? So originally when I started, I was open Monday through Saturday. And I was open like nine to five during the weekdays. And then Saturdays, I was open 10 to two. Mm -hmm. That was kind of what I started out. And I wanted, I told everybody, you know, I told the community and stuff, like, I'm trying this out. If I need Mm -hmm. to do something different, like, I'm just going to kind of have to be how, you know, how, how I can tell from the people who are coming in and what times they're coming in and what days and whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Since then, I eliminated Monday. I took Monday out because I'm like, I need a day to Mm -hmm. catch up on all of my other stuff that I'm doing. Um, So I have Sunday and Monday off. I trimmed my Saturday hours to be 10 to 1 only. I actually, that's mostly for pre-order pickups. I would say Mm -hmm. for the majority of the people who come in, or if I happen to do like a flash sale of some sort, like I get a lot of people in on Saturdays, but Saturdays, I really don't get a lot of walk-ins, which would have been the day that I would expect to get walk-ins. But unless I have like something special going on, I don't get as many walk-ins actually during any day that I'm open, I would say. Um, But that could also be due to my location, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, And... Tuesday through Friday, so the weekdays that I am open, I am still open nine to five. I have had to adjust um, my delivery time that I'm closed. So each of those days, I'm actually closed for two hours. I'm closed one to 3 p.m. because that's when I Mm. run all of my deliveries. Um, And right now I'm still doing it. If I need somebody like, you know, to go kind of the opposite direction of the way that I'm going, you know, things like that. I have like my kind of on-call people who, you know, retirees, people who work from home who don't mind, you know, taking, a, you know, an hour out of their day and running something for me. Those people are 
really the unsung heroes of this business because I called them and, you know, it could be two hours before I need something taken and nine times out of 10, I can find someone, you know, one of them is, is available and can kind of jump in and, and help out in those instances. Um, but no, just, I guess, going back to your original question, the hours they had to kind of adjust because I was feeling burnout working Mm -hmm. six out of seven days. And that was probably two months in that I was like, okay, I'm not doing Mondays because no one cares. <laughs> and also, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm like exhausted after only having one day. Um, but it allows me to, you know, having that day off allows me to kind of, like I said, do all of the things that I needed to do during the week. I can kind of, you know, scooch those to Monday, say, okay, I'm going to handle that. Sunday is my day to hang out with my family and do, do things of that nature. And on occasion, I'll close on a Saturday, you know, if we're, um, you know, if we're going to go out of town or something and have a long weekend, like I'll say, okay, I'm going to be closed for Saturday and it's only three hours. So most of the time it's not, not a huge inconvenience for people. Would you say people usually order, like, how do they place their orders? Do people come in and look at the flowers and pick something? Or do you mostly do online and then they're getting delivery or coming to pick up? Or what is like the majority of what you notice for the flowers? That's an interesting question because it's changed. It's okay. it's like transformed itself. As, you know, the longer I'm open, more people find me on my website or by calling me, I would say okay. than anything or I, you know, I should say online generally, right? Like people will watch my Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that, place orders, I get lots of orders through my website. Those numbers are increasing. Um, the more people who find me or the more people out of town who find me and realize mm-hmm. that they can order through my website, lots of people do that. I do get phone orders um, and then like my um, my wire services. So like Teleflora, FTD, I'm members of that, which I have my opinions on those. Um I will share those. Yeah, I'd be interested to know those. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I I guess there's a couple different avenues, right? I do get walk-ins. I guess we can talk about that right now. I am on a corner. In a, I, I'm on a corner, which is great. It's a very visible corner. It's a corner that intersects two major highways. And then there's a third major highway just a couple blocks away. So we've got like Route 57, which is like the interstate which runs north and south. And we're one of the exits off of that. So that helps out a lot. I get uh, the occasional Mm -hmm. walk in, you know, if somebody just like driving down the highway, they're on their way to say champagne for like a graduation. And they're like, oh, I want to stop by and get flowers. This place is right Mm -hmm. off the interstate. I can run, grab it, jump back on. That's happened a handful of times. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say the corner that I'm on, you can't park out in front of my building at all. There's no parking on the street in front of my building, which is kind of a pain. And to Mm -hmm. turn in to where my building is sitting, you have to turn off of one of those really busy highways and it's right by a bridge that's kind of hard to see. And so like location is something that is so important. And what I'm learning is my location, though it's great for visibility, some people still don't know that I'm a shop. They still think that I'm a house. Which mm. I ha- we have that crazy. too. Yeah, you know, you guys have because wonderful- do you have like historical restrictions too? Because that's what we ran into. Because we can't put anything out there that looks like a shop because it's in the historical district. So like we don't have stock. That. Yeah, we we don't have that issue. Um, not that I am aware of. I just we haven't been we haven't prioritized putting anything out in the yard that makes it a little bit more obvious that this is a business and more of like a commercial property. Mm. Um, So, you know, you have that issue and then there's just like kind of an access issue. Like people who may be just nervous drivers don't want to, you know, try to back, you know, pull in and then back out of what Mm is Mm -hmm. like the house's driveway to kind of get in and out. So I think that that causes people, some people who maybe want to visit to not visit as much as maybe they would, they would if I were in a different Mm -hmm. location. Plus because this is a house, um, there is limited space. I have the downstairs area of this house. My sister-in-law, who's a photographer, Emily, I think I mentioned her in the last time. Mm -hmm. 
He um, uses the upstairs, the second floor of this house for a studio. So she has mm-hmm. renovated bedrooms and a bathroom up there to shoot in, which is great, but I don't really have a lot of space. So I'm running out of space for like prep work and stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then like the trouble with the access, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think, is this building where I'm going to be forever or am I going to need to, you know, maybe start looking at something, you know, a different location, something maybe a mm-hmm. little bit closer to downtown. Cause I'm a couple blocks away from like where all of the stuff is happening in Paxton right now. So those are just, mm-hmm. you know, those are just kind of interesting things that I wouldn't have thought of first. Cause I'm like great corner, awesome visibility. This mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. And then, like all of these other things, like as this is growing, all of these other problems kind of start to pop up and arise and you have to definitely pivot from that to kind mm-hmm. of make, you know, make different decisions yeah. or at least can, you know, consider other things. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. super normal for um, businesses, especially their first couple of years, mm-hmm. because they're all things you have to do mm-hmm. and observe before you know what really works for you. Right. Cause same thing. Like, we thought, oh, this is going to be so great because it's on the main drag. But then also because of that, that's the busiest street that has a lot of traffic that sometimes people avoid. Mm-hmm. And then we thought like, oh, it's so charming because it's a house. Um, but then you have to think of the shadow side of that of like, okay, well, I have to get people to know visually that this is not a house. Right. So I think that's super normal. Like you start off somewhere and mm-hmm. you figure out, okay, this is not how my business works. So for the next time then you know things to look for because mm-hmm. i think even christina and melissa went through that um when they decided if they were gonna move or not mm-hmm. there were things that they knew okay we have to if we're gonna move we have to have these things in place that you really wouldn't have known yeah. unless you did it a hundred percent before and it, that it is interesting that the things you don't think about um when you're first leasing that we've all three said it now because ours was parking we did not think about mm-hmm. that, and our parking lot was awful, and there was, like, nothing good about our parking lot. Um, and Same. <laughs> yeah, Jen has, like, potholes and stuff. Mine's, like, like a mind. <laughs> <laughs> but ours was like – volcanoes and Ours, stuff. you wouldn't think about of the way the parking was. It was really hard to get out if there were several cars at a time in there, just the way – there because there was a gate. So there were things as we started and our thing was events. So there were people there all at the same time. That – and then, of course, how you're saying you're running out of space. I think we under – like we underestimate the amount of space we're going to need, especially when you're a maker in a boutique kind of setting. Uh, that was definitely one of ours. And then I think Illinois is doing the same thing as Texas, but ours, we ended up not even, well, we looked, but we never booked another space because the price has just gone up so much. And so for the amount of space we needed, it was one of those things where we're like, oh, but this is something we can do out of our house. And that's really hard to like balance that um pricing and stuff and um yeah so but the the parking especially is something that people don't necessarily always think about when they're purchasing a space um we also decided if we ever were going to buy again or rent again it was going to be in our downtown area how you guys are saying like where everything's happening in the town is where and my town does not do a ton in their downtown area right now but I want it to and I want to be a part of that of bringing people to the downtown area and so that would be definitely a space that I would want to get into but again it's so much more expensive even though they don't market their downtown like right now it's not a fun area um but yeah all of that kind of goes into play when you're looking at a space that you don't know until you do it our Downtown pre-COVID was busy, but not being kind of revamped in the way that it is right now. We've got some really amazing like investors who have bought some historical properties and they're, you know, they're improving those and they've torn down some things that were looking real sketchy and you know so so they've been making a lot of progress and there's a lot of hype around our downtown right now and you know our whole our whole goal is to bring people into that area right we just had our Mm -hmm. wine and chocolate walk last weekend 
250 people and I was, I participated in it, but I'm one of the businesses that has like golf cart people to them. So it, that was a challenge and was it kind of a challenge last year? It was a little bit better this year since I kind I reset up how my, how my space, how my shop is set up. I actually eliminated, I think Jenny, when you were here, my work table was kind of in like the massive middle room of of this space. And I have since crammed myself into one of the side rooms, which is another reason why I don't have enough space. Um, Mm -hmm. I've since kind of crammed myself into the side room, but now my retail area is a much more open, much more inviting. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I can have more stuff in here, a little bit more variety, which allows people to spend a little bit more time and probably eventually a little bit more money than maybe they were before, just because I had such a limited amount of space to kind of put everything in. That's really hard. I mean, I, it's so it's such an interesting concept to me to say like, oh, now I have to, after I did this and I made this big leap and I took all of these chances, like now I have to almost redo that again, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, really I get scary. that. Yeah. Yeah. Pivoting is always a little scary, but that same thing, I'm going through that right now. Um, and we all are at the mark of similar to you, like we're realizing how the retail space is so important and and like shrinking our workshop spaces especially as we change like our work schedules that we're each taking a turn then maybe we don't have to be there all the time making and we can do separate workspaces so like how that changes and evolves too whereas once it was like half makerspace half retail and now like the retail is what gets the people in the door so you start to readjust how you do maker but it did it's always like an evolving process and it's weird how things like come full circle and you're like oh okay I didn't know that I would be doing it like this right um but you do you're like constantly observing and reevaluating. yeah what works I um I'm wondering too Sam how like I don't know if SEO is like your jam or what like if you have divulged in that much, but um, the thing that I use flowers, I love finding local flower shops. Um, not, not, I have one that I use for myself in this area, but when I want to send somebody flowers, I would much rather use a local flower shop than um, like a 1-800 flowers or whatever it is. Cause one, I don't trust that they're going to make it, but two, I also am worried about the quality and all of that. So. Well, yeah, can you? Yeah, well, go I was gonna ahead, use, and I'll add to it because Jenny, Ellie, and I will often sell, send my mom flowers, and she lives in a town called New Braunfels in Texas. And so the thing I did is I went to Instagram and put florist in New Braunfels, and so certain things would come up, and then I can kind of see their work from their Instagram, and then decide if I'm going to buy from them or not. But um, that's like what I think of when you say flower shop. I'm like, that's what I use a flower shop for is I, I don't live there. So I, I, I can't go in, but I will Google or Instagram or whatever, a flower shop in, you know, Paxton, Illinois, uh, close to wherever my friend is that I want to send quality flowers to and I'll search that. So I don't know if, um, you use like your location hashtags or anything like that, but that's, like when I think of flower shop, that's how I use a flower shop. Yeah. And I was going to add to that, like, like tell us why we should look for independent floral shops and not go through like the Teleflora and 1-800-Flowers. Well, and, and you kind that. of went 100%. into your experience. So we kind of want to hear that too. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Um I will use a real life example and then maybe that'll kind of help us kind of lead into that. Um, I had a, I would say like a maybe 80 year old woman stop in the other day. She said, hi, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> and I said, Don't okay. you love hearing that as a business who's like poured your life into hashtags yes, and yes. Google analytics and all of these things. And then people are like, oh, like when we were closing Wildflower, yeah, you really need in. to advertise more. Yeah. People would stop in <laughs> like, as we're closing Wildflower. We've been there three years and they're like, yeah. Oh, we didn't even know you were here. I'm like, every day, every day we get that. Hmm. Oh my gosh. It's wild. That's, I mean, that's crazy to me. But 
So she walks in. She says, I have a niece. She lives in Metropolis, Illinois. I would love to send her flowers. I didn't know if I could order them through you. And then, you know, you can send it to somebody down there or what the best way was of going about it. And I simply said, I said, I can place the order for you. Like I can do it through my wire service, which when I say wire service, I mean, FTD, Teleflora. Those are kind of the big two. There's a couple others. What's FTD? Um, would, um, the floral trade. I don't know what the D stands for. <laughs> okay, but it's a, it's a flower it's website. Like it's like the OG, like when, when flower shops, I think it was, I think it started in like the, like the 18 or 1900s. Like they used to do a oh. book and essentially like the book, it was a, it was like a, like a directory, right? Yeah. Okay. Which has since been, you know, moved to online, yada, yada, yada. But you would go to a florist, they would say, Hey, I want to send flowers to my friend who, you know, lives in Dallas, Texas. And they would say, okay, let me flip through my, my book, my directory to see who's in there. And then I can call them and I'll place the order for you. Now it's a little bit different. Um, if you were to order through a shop, so if that woman were to have placed her order through me and I would have sent it on, I would have actually gotten a portion of that. So I would have gotten 29% of whatever the total dollar amount was. So let's, for easy numbers, say it was a $100 order. I would have gotten $29 of that. The receiving flower shop would have received or gotten like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they get 71%. I would get maybe like 15 and then FTD would get the remainder. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So I would essentially be like the finder or like the order gatherer mm. or something in that situation. <laughs> and so I, I just told her, I explained that to her. Cause I'm like, the more people understand that the more people can, instead of doing that, can call the flower shop in the town directly, just what you're saying, Christina, or go on their website or, you know, just order directly through them and they get a hundred percent of that, especially if you're call- you know, if you're calling them and you're, pay- you know, you're going to pay them with your card over the phone. Sure. They have processing fees. Maybe they include those in their total. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But 3% or 4% is so much better as a cost than mm-hmm. losing 29% total. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From an order, like that's silly. And then <clears throat> some flower shops when they know that they're only going to get 71% of an order will not provide an arrangement that is worth the total Mm -hmm. amount that you're paying. So Mm -hmm. like you would get a $71 arrangement rather than a hundred dollar arrangement because they don't feel like they should have to provide a hundred dollar arrangement. Cause they're only getting $71. Yes. They're only getting that percentage. So they're like, well, you know, the order doesn't know. The you know the, yeah. recipient, the recipient doesn't know how much money was spent. Mm-hmm. That's a gray area that I don't really like about mm-hmm. that. Like I don't like yeah. when it's almost almost dishonest. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I hate like I dislike that, but also I don't like that these you know these kind of arbitrary companies are getting the benefit of that when you mm-hmm. can just literally look it up on Google, find a, mm-hmm. yeah, find and go a, to a their website. website. Yeah. And then call them directly, which is what I would suggest doing 10 times over. Like, mm-hmm. you call, mm-hmm. I mean, cause we're, you know, we're smart enough now with technology that you can find exactly what you're looking for and not have to go through one of those services. Now I will say I get orders all the time through my FTD and my Teleflora. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're, people who live in my town asking like ordering something through one of those websites to send to somebody in town and it's like yeah. if you just yeah. me that you know I could have received the entire total of that order you know and it's just right. I just don't think right. that people like know how the mechanics of that work oh 100% they don't and it, the, we were actually just talking to Mariah Magazine Co about Google Ads and how those big companies are probably paying a ton of money to have their first thing pop up on Google. So of course, especially people who don't understand the internet are going to push those links first. And so then it automatically will send your way from those sites. 
Right. And I'm the rebel who I, I refuse to click any of those. And I scooch down and I'll click like, the second or third normal yeah. one. Cause I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> screw that. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see the word sponsor next to it and be like, meh, it's a joke. And I'll just like <laughs> keep going. But I use for things like a flower shop or things that I'm getting locally for like Jenny and I sent our sister cookies one time and needed a cookie shop that was close by. Like for those kind of things, I just go to Instagram because as a small business owner, I find the small businesses will post like what they do. And oftentimes, this is probably awful as a small business owner to say, but oftentimes, even if they don't deliver, they probably will because they're a small business who wants to like get their stuff out. So for me, that's kind of, I'll always ask like, Hey, I have a friend in the town. Like when I owned wildflower, I would have done that in a heartbeat. If someone had ordered a gift for somebody and wanted to get it to them, I would have been like, yeah, I'll go deliver it. That's, you know, amazing. So, uh, I will say Instagram is usually my, which is probably why they're saying it's turning into a search engine because that's where I'll go to find things like that. But in your case, if it's, or anybody's case, if I'm ordering a gift for somebody in a town, I always will put in the town name and state. And so I think we forget that too in in our descriptions or hashtags or whatever um, to put that. If or even just like tagging your location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also ease of use too, right? So like if you were to, you know, see an obituary for somebody who died in a town, you know, in your hometown and you don't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. You go to the obituary, you know, you follow the link on say Facebook, you, you go to the obituary and then it has like a link that says send flowers. All of those are tied to those wire services. So you get, you get directed Mm -hmm. to like Teleflora's generic website that says, you know, that has all of your options for your arrangements and whatever and then you order them through it and then they send the order Teleflora or FTD sends the order through their system to a local florist so you're still getting local florist products right like I'm still putting the order together mm-hmm. for you know for it to go to the funeral home or whatever but again instead of just ordering it through the flower shop directly you know, you're you're kind of using this avenue, which is maybe a little bit easier, maybe not, depending on what the flower shop is, if they have a website of their own, if you can, you know, order through their website directly. But also, you know, just kind of like the ease of that makes it harder to kind of redirect consumers to order from you specifically, which mm-hmm. is just another hurdle, you know. Right, because you're not – when people order from you, especially if they're out of town – they're not getting a package from you with a business card with your information like Jenny or my customers would because it's going to the person that they ordered for. So that is that is right. tricky to like get your name out there and be like, no, just order from me. It'll save you money and it'll be a better bouquet. Right. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, you're you're getting your name out to the recipient at, at minimum. You know, you're not catching the person who ordered it so that they know in the future, you know, the only way that that's going to happen is if the recipient calls the order and says, you know, hey, this arrangement was really pretty. It was from this flower shop in Paxton. Mm-hmm. Why don't, you know, keep that in mind the next time you have to order something? You know, people don't always do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to hear from you about the, so it's been a year and a couple months, I don't know, 15 months, let's say. What would you say has been the most rewarding thing about owning a brick and mortar? Um, uh, the most rewarding thing. Oh my gosh. My favorite thing is to see customers and to like get to know them. And I, I get to see a lot of people that I kind of knew or was kind of an acquaintance with or whatever from when I worked. Cause I used to work at the IGA in town so when I was in like high school and post high school, I worked there. So I came became very familiar with faces, but not so much with names. And now I get to kind of see those people come back in or I see, you know, now grown children who are in high school and can drive themselves and order their own, you know, homecoming and prom flowers. And they're coming in and I'm like, I remember when you were six <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm line at like I feel old, but 
it's my favorite thing because now I can have relationships like grown up relationships with those kids who were so sweet or, you know, whatever. And, you know, they're just like, we really enjoy your product or, you know, I liked what you did for so-and-so. So definitely like connecting with the, the customers and getting to know people in this town and being able to provide them with something that makes them happy. Like delivering flowers to people is such a nice thing because people are almost never expecting them. Yes. They're always mm-hmm. excited. I think that that's probably why I have so many volunteer delivery people because they're like, oh, this is the best part of my day. I get to go take flowers yeah. to somebody. They're happy about it. This is great, yeah. you know? So definitely the community side has been the yes, the yes. and I love it. And I'm such a social person that like that's you know that's there. If there's a day where I don't talk to anybody, like my husband can tell, and he's like, "Did you not have anybody come in today? Because you're talking." To <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, actually, no. I, I, I needed didn't. social interaction." <laughs> yeah. So looking back, what's been the most different than you thought it would? Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, but like what's been the most different? Hmm. Well, I'm happier now than I was in my corporate job. For well, sure. that's good. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> sure. It's um, I'm so much less stressed out, or it's stress that I welcome, right? Like it's things, that, right? It's stress about that's a great things that way to I put want it. to be doing. Um. So yeah, having a job that I like enjoy going to every day, and I enjoy fixing the problems that arise. That's been something that was very unexpected just because I, in the job that I was in, I was good at it, but I was stressed out constantly. Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed to be like, hey, I'm happy when I get home and Mm -hmm. I'm not a grump and, you know, I have energy for things because I've been able to kind of do the things that I want to do all day and prioritize the things that I need done rather than somebody else. I mean, that's been. That's been a huge plus for sure. Are there certain yeah. boundaries that you've put up? Because um, Jenny and I will talk a lot about how it's really hard to, not that there's ever a balance, but when you own your own business, it's hard to put one down for the other. Um, have you established any boundaries that are helpful in order to kind of separate your home life from your work life? Um, I would say definitely being able to kind of, I mean, in opening this business, I was able to transfer everything out of my house and kind of put it over here. I very rarely physically bring things home. Um, I, I have a little bit of trouble, I guess, keeping like my mind from working when I'm at home, right? Like my husband and I have some really good like late night discussions, strategy sessions about my business because he owns, he owns his own business too. Um, or as a part owner in it, and I help him with that. So we're always kind of like tossing things out to one another. So I should say mentally, there's not really a good block unless he's like, "Hey, I need you to stop talking to me about this." <laughs> right. Like, can we focus on what we're doing instead of you know what sale you're gonna have next week or whatever? Um, but I mean. When I'm here, I'm working and everybody knows that. My kids are here with me on occasion. My daughter comes, you know, after school one to two days a week. So, but she also understands that there's a customer here. Like she either needs to be playing in like her room or, you know, if she's going to be out here, then she needs to be respectful and, you know, understand. So I think my kids have a good idea of like when I'm here, I'm working. And when I'm home, I'm mom. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's hard to turn your brain off. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when our small businesses are so much us and Mm -hmm. we are doing everything and we do love it. So Mm -hmm. that is like, um, sometimes it is hard. And I guess what I've learned is to also not shame yourself for if you are feeling like you're thinking about it all the time or um, doing it. Because I think people around you can uh, help observe that. And maybe if you're if it's affecting you to where you need to put something down, that's one thing. But I can also notice where it'll have the opposite effect Effect if I like try to shame myself or tell myself I can't do it because if it really is bringing me joy and it's not taking away from my family or whatever, like it's okay for mm-hmm. what that looks for you in each season, you know, like it, it might just, as long as you're open and aware to it, 
is what I guess I've learned because that's where I'm listening to talk about like getting it out of your house because I'm now bringing it back into my house. (laughs) And I think things just like are always changing and Mm -hmm. like our kids change, our seasons change, Mm -hmm. ages change, Mm -hmm. rhythms change. And like to just be easy, give ourselves a lot of grace um, that it just might look different Mm -hmm. from moment to moment. Yeah. And I'm coming from a place of, you know, there were, it's hard when you own a business, especially one where you pay rent of like telling yourself it's okay to not work the next four hours that I'm at home with my kids because tomorrow you can make up for that. Because I remember there being days where like, I just have to do this one sale post because I need to make X amount, you know, by the end of the week where that became a a really heavy burden for me. And, um, I guess that's kind of what I was asking is like more establishing boundaries where you don't reach that point where it's burning you out instead of bringing your joy, like how both of you were talking about. Like if you're, I think that's a good um, metric to put it on is, is this bringing me joy? Then yes, I can still do it right now at at this time of night. But if this is putting me in burnout, like it's okay to set it down until you're in your quote unquote work hours or um, whatever that might look like. Well, and I find Mm -hmm. that like my my social media creativity or like my post creativity really comes around after I'm I've like put my kids to bed because like my mm-hmm. kids are three and five so they're they're very like I need attention I need you mm-hmm. to play with me I need you to help me do this science experiment I need you to do mm-hmm. all of these things right and so <clears throat> when they go to bed then my brain kind of gets a chance to like decompress you know, rinse out all of that that happened uh-huh. and then I can get back to like, okay, I need to make sure that I do this, this, and this. And even just kind of like having the space to think about it. Cause I've noticed I'll, I'll be here and I'm like, oh, I know I need to do that. I'll be at my shop and I'll say, oh, I need to do that. And then, uh, then I'll get home and I'll say, oh, I have five minutes and I have a little bit of like creativity, you know, a little bit of like creative inspiration to say, I can at least jot down notes about what I want to do when I get in the shop the next day. Mm-hmm. I just, I have a hard time being creative with like reels and stuff on Instagram when I'm here. Cause I'm like, I'm surrounded by this every right. day. What do other people want to see? And then when I get mm-hmm. home, I'm like, Oh, you know what I should show people is the thing that I just put out for the first time, you know, today. And no one yeah. knows that it's here except for me because I put it on the shelf and no one's right. coming. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I need to be able to talk about those things, but I don't always remember what other people, what customers know and don't know until I'm not here. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's why I'm constantly using my notes app or my remind Siri reminders and be like, okay, remind me when I'm at the shop to blah, blah, blah. Because yeah, otherwise we'll forget everything because it is constantly. Right. Moving. No, 100%. It is. Okay, my last question of those three is what's been the most challenging thing? So we had rewarding, we had different. What's been the most challenging thing that you weren't expecting? Or maybe mm. you were expecting it to be challenging and it's to list. <laughs> um, I think I, I think I have two things. I think the first thing that's been challenging for me is to make sure that I, which is really very specific to my business, which stinks, but um make sure that I am like ordering flowers on time. I would. Oh, yes. I am like that with jars. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just, I would take so like, I'll order stuff for like one week and then I'll maybe (laughs) think ahead and order enough for like the next week. But then after that, I'm like, I'm good for the rest of the year. That's how my brain thinks. It's like, nope, not at all. And then I almost get to a point where it's too late and I have to like hurry up and order things. So that's a challenge. Um, I, it still is a challenging thing. I am able to kind of set up like, um, like weekly standing orders, which I am trying mm-hmm. to start. Well, and your inventory with. dies, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's not <laughs> like you can buy a ton because you're thinking about it then, right? Because it's perishable. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're totally right. So like, oh, perishable you know, is a way better word than dying. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's hard because you know flowers. I try to use what I get in on like my Tuesday. I try to use that, you know, all up by the next Saturday, right? So I'm I'm trying to only have flowers that are the same week in my cooler. Occasionally that won't 
happen or you know, if I order too much maybe, and I have some stuff that's like left over, but through the week, if I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to have too much. I try to prioritize which things I use first, right? The ones that are going to be bad first, which has been such a learning experience in itself, you know, coming from saying like, I, you know, I'm just kind of like jumping in. I'm the person who like anything, any task looks somewhat attainable. So I'm going to try it, you mm-hmm. know, no matter what, even if it's something that I've never done. So like, jumping into the flowers, like that was very much, there's a big learning curve, right? I have to figure out that certain flowers are only going to last so long. So I need to make sure that if I get them in, I use them really fast so that the customer gets the best life out of them, not necessarily, you know, them sitting in my cooler. Um, So that's been a challenge is like making sure that I'm ordering things and making sure that I'm using them in a timely manner. Um, And then the other thing, I mean, we kind of already touched on it, but it's just space, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah having enough space, having, having space for, um, you know, and like setting up my workspace in, in a way that is functional, but also like everything I own is packed into this one room. So that's hard. That's hard. Um, so yeah. And, you know, just kind of trying to still get over that challenge of like, do I need more space? Do I need to, do I need to try to look to see if I can move somewhere else? You know, um, you know, so I think that that's something that's kind of constantly on repeat in my brain is like, how can I, how can I possibly make this change to where I have more space and can do more things, you know, maybe book more balloons because I have space once I prep them, which was the whole reason of doing this in the first place. Starting it, yeah. My balloons. Right, right. <laughs> and I still feel like I don't have enough room for my balloons here. So, you know. It's just a yeah. challenge. Is there any part now that you've owned your business um, and ran, you know, all the different things, um, marketing, sales, uh, SEO, website, sales associate, ordering, organization, budgets, Excel, whatever it is. Is there any part that you have found is really your like jam that your niche that you really like and thrive in? I'm trying to remember all the options. Um, I just gave examples of all the things a small business owner does. Is there anything that you're yeah, like, oh, this is my, like business. Jenny's is obviously like the spreadsheets, the the numbers, the <laughs> like seeing data. Mine is, you know, the marketing, the sales aspect. Is there anything that you just are like, yeah, this gives me, this gives me joy. This gives me life. I love when I can offer a customer just a good quality product, which sounds mm-hmm. so silly, but like I enjoy when people tell me that they, they've they received flowers and those flowers have lasted two weeks. You know, like that's mm. like, oh, like the best thing. That so like sourcing, yeah. like sourcing would be your, your yes, jam. Like you love finding good quality products. Yes. And being able to provide quality at an affordable price. Like I, mm. I, love the challenge of finding my, you know, my wholesale stuff at good prices so that I can pass those savings on to my customers because flowers Mm -hmm. alone, I mean, everybody knows it. If you ever ask anybody like, oh, do you like to buy flowers for your spouse? Well, they're so expensive. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make them not so expensive and also give you a good quality product that looks pretty and, you know, that people want to buy. So the Mm -hmm. challenge of that, the, the kind of obstacles or, you know, the hurdles of that is something that I enjoy trying to get over. You know, I, I like um, when I can do that mm-hmm. for my customers. So I think that kind of that puzzle and, and being able to sort out that puzzle is definitely mm-hmm. something that I feel like I really, really thrive at. And I feel like mm-hmm. my customers can tell that too. I might be wrong, but I feel like on Friends, Rachel Green, that's what she does for uh, Bloomingdale's. I think she's like a merchandiser, like a finds the source. So look, you're like Rachel Green. Well, I love Friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, let's see. Let me. At one, when you were talking, I wrote down a ton of questions. So I'm trying to see if I have anything else. I guess the one um, that we'll end on before we ask you the two, we always ask the people that come on, um, will be what advice would you give to someone considering opening a brick and mortar? Hmm. 
Um, definitely run some numbers. I mean, don't just jump into it blind, right? Yeah. Like figure out what your rent's going to be if you have rent or your mortgage or whatever is going to be on mm-hmm. the property that you're going into. Know what your costs are, all of that. Do lots of talking to your customers or future customers to see what people want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they want to be able to walk into a store that has the item that you're selling, maybe a brick and mortar is for you. If it's something that they can look at it on a website and you don't really need to have that in-person factor, then maybe a brick and mortar isn't the right thing, you know? Um, so yeah, I think like do your research mm-hmm. is, is definitely a, a big part of that. Yeah. That's good. And what was, was there another part of that? Yeah. Jen's going to ask like our, our, we've been asking all of the people who've come on lately, these two questions. Well, this kind of ties into the one you just answered. So it's okay if you say the same because yeah, but that we've one been was talking for 52 minutes. That was, the, that was particular to brick and mortar people. Uh, okay. So especially because this can be like you telling yourself 15 months ago mm-hmm. or any new business because a lot of our listeners are like brand new businesses or early businesses. Um, what piece of advice would you tell them that you've learned since then and since growing your business into a couple of years in now? Be willing to make a change if something isn't working. Mm, that's good. I think that that's, I think that that, that any business has to run into that, right? Like you're carrying a product that you really love, but no one else really loves it. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe that's not the product for your shop, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think just the ability to kind of say, well, that didn't work. I loved it. Maybe I'll still do it for myself, you know, but I need to kind of pivot and make changes and adapt to your customer base and what they're looking for. Because if they're not looking for what you're providing, then what are you providing? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But I'm not saying that's really helpful. You know, you don't want to like lose the essence of whatever your business is. Um, But no, just, you know, if something's not working, try something else. If that didn't work, try something else. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, trial and error, the whole thing. I mean, you guys are great examples of that. Yeah, that's something we, you're so nice. Yeah, you have to pivot. And that's (laughs) something we've talked about of like, also, you have to be willing to pivot and not care what anyone else is saying about it. Yeah, and not think that it's any reflection on you or your worth also because some things just don't work and that doesn't have to mean anything and just try the next thing. Yeah. Right. And if there's, I mean, so I like that. And if there's customers who are like, well, I really liked that. And you're like, well, you should have told me that before. I know, right? Uh, You should have have, have, stopped it, parked in my driveway, (laughs) and come to get it. Right. Um, okay, the very last question, and this is a much, I think, easier question, is what is something practical you've purchased for your business, whether it be a product or a service or, um, you know, Jenny's is her label maker, mine was my cricket. What is something you've purchased for your business that you now cannot live without? Mm. I upgraded my computer. That sounds really dumb, but I upgraded my computer. No, that's Yeah, that makes all the difference. I mean, it was super slow. I think I had it since college. Like it was, it was not good at all. It really wasn't doing what I needed it to do. So that is definitely one. Um, There was something literally the other day that I'm like, man, I'm so happy I got this. I actually did get a Cricut recently, which I really enjoy. I I can Mm -hmm. make custom like funeral labels or funeral Mm -hmm. ribbons. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, oh, yeah. wanted, you know, if you wanted like, you know, instead of grandma, you wanted it to say like, Oma or, you know, something like that. So I can kind of like customize those, which is like a huge benefit. Um, no, I really I mean, it sounds really dumb, but I think it's my computer. It's been a yeah, huge no, that's help. Good. Yes, be, like, that makes complete well. sense. Like fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, Sam, it has, like Jenny said, it's been 55 minutes. It's a great episode follow-up. I I lo- every time we're like, okay, it's going to be like 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> and then we get talking and that's why we love it though. We just have like a great conversation. Exactly. It's a real conversation. We're not going to like 
structure it where it has to be done at a certain time. So we're we it was so good to see you because Jenny and I have obviously gotten to know you over Instagram and how fun to have you on and share your journey with us. And I know people are going to love kind of hearing the update. Um, and of course, we're going to give everybody your handles to go follow. And if, if anybody has friends or family in Paxton, Illinois, that they need flowers for, she is a great person to buy those from so that they're good and ethical and you know exactly where they're grown. They're grown right in her, basically <laughs> her backyard. So thanks for coming on, Sam. We appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Sam. Talk to you Have soon. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, we'll keep this quick since it's I know. almost an hour. But I, I was laughing because all the interviews have been, it's been so good. So good. So good. Um, and I think, again, we're in maker season where we're busy working for the holidays. So people probably have time to listen and it maybe makes their work day just a little bit better. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. Um, but I loved hearing from really Sam like- and her updates. Yeah, and I think it was just a very real, authentic mm-hmm. picture of what it's like to own, um, you know, your brick and mortar business too. But also, a lot of those things could apply to your just opening your business. That first year or two, mm-hmm. you're just really hitting the ground running and just changing things as they come up and learning. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think it was. It was great of her to share that with us. Yeah. And I think the three questions I asked her, what's been different, what's been rewarding, what's been challenging is something we can ask ourselves like yearly from that year. I mean, we're getting to the Mm -hmm. end of the year, which is insane. But those are good things to ask ourselves because then you can lean into what's been rewarding and maybe, you know, do more of that into your business and then notice it's different and be, be like, oh, okay, this was different than I expected, yeah. but it, you don't really have any feelings tied to it. And then what's been challenging is always a good sp- place to start of like, how how do I make this better? How do I make it not challenging for me? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. think anybody starting a business can learn a lot from her and she's awesome. You should go follow her on Instagram. And I love seeing her business grow and develop. So thanks for coming on, Sam. Um, and everybody else, we hope you have a great day. If you love the podcast, we would love if you'd subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together. For more content, go follow us on Instagram at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love following and supporting other small businesses. And if you're interested in being a guest or advertising with us on the podcast, visit smallbusinesssisterspodcast.com.